You're listening to Acts of Impact, the show where we interview those who are making a positive difference in the world around us. I'm your host, Nicholas Hill, and today's guest is Meredith Cooper. Meredith is co-founder for Wonders and Worries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping children and families navigate the challenges of parental illness. We'll talk about what those challenges are, the effects they can have on both children and patients, and how Wonders and Worries educates and provides support. Let's get started. Meredith, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here today, Nicholas. Yeah, we're certainly happy to have you. And Meredith, I think we should start with kind of what I've just described. You know, your organization is helping children navigate the challenges of parental illness. Can you give us a little bit of history there? How did children historically receive that kind of support and what got you involved in this cause? Well, that's a great question. Historically, children have not gotten this support. And how I became aware of that was um, through my professional discipline, child life. I was the first pediatric oncology child life specialist in Austin. So I was working with children that had cancer at a time when our children's hospital was adjacent to Brackenridge, our city hospital. I would get called over from time to time to the adult units of Brackenridge. Typically, it was at a final week or two of a parent's life when a nurse or social worker would become aware that a parent had a young child in their home and was wondering how to help support that parent and child, the entire family. So I would go over and work with those children and parents. They can have misperceptions around the illness. It's very easy for children to put two pieces of information together incorrectly, such as I hugged mommy too tight, and that's why she got breast cancer. So I became concerned, wondering, oh my gosh, what has happened to these children and parents over the course of a cancer treatment and diagnosis, which often runs for many months or years even. So I started looking around in the community to see what kind of support there was for children when it was the parent with the illness, not the child themselves. I didn't realize at the time, but about 18% of adults diagnosed with cancer have a child under the age of 18 in their home. That being said, as I looked around in the Austin community, I realized that there was no support for children until after the parent had died. And that motivated me to look at what could be done to meet this new community need that I was passionate about. So I was fortunate that my co-founder, Missy Hicks, relocated to Austin in 1999. She had had a similar awareness working with children with cancer in Atlanta. So we joined forces and started Wonders and Worries in 2001. Can you just tell us at a high level, what is the support that Wonders and Worries provides? What are some of the, the areas um, of support that, that you provide to your, to your children and families? We provide professional child life support for children 2 through 18 who have a parent in the home with a serious illness. We do this without charge to our families, and it, we offer individual as well as group support. 
And my understanding is that you're one of the only organizations that provides the individual kind of uh, personalized support that you provide to this age group. Is that right? That is correct. There are very few entities across the country that are doing work in this field of children impacted by parental illness. But the individual support is available for any child or teen two through 18. And for someone that's listening who may not be as familiar, what does child's life staff mean? What does a child's life staff member do in a healthcare setting? We're, the, the term is child life, and it is a certification that provides expertise traditionally in children's healthcare settings to help children and families cope with the challenges around the illness. So continuing normal growth and development while providing the additional support for parents and children around the specific medical treatments that are going to be occurring. That's the traditional role of a child life specialist. And um, we have taken it out into the community to provide this support for the children when it is their parent with a serious illness. If I'm a child who is in a household where a parent has fallen ill, or on the other side of that coin, if I'm a parent who has fallen ill and thinking about some of the challenges my child might be facing, what are some of those challenges? What are some of the things that you've seen can can become a point of friction in the household or a point of confusion? There's a significant amount of change that comes into a home when a parent is diagnosed with any kind of serious illness. Um, routines change, certainly. Um, I've had children tell me that it feels like their house shrank because when the parent comes home from a diagnosis, potentially with a hospital stay, they may have be moving in with new equipment. Um, parents who are beginning chemotherapy may have lowered immune systems, which prevent the children from being friends into play, from parents going into schools. Parents may not know what to say. Often out of a misguided desire to protect their child, they may say nothing, or they may not know what to say. And we have found that being preventative from the very beginning, having language that is non-threatening, that seeks to understand what the child may know, um, help them understand what the diagnosis is in age-appropriate terms, and then giving them an idea of what that plan, the new plan for the family will be, particularly focusing on the worries that a child may have. You know, who's going to take care of me? What's going to happen if I come home and mommy isn't at home? Who will be here if mommy has a hospitalization? So we work with children and parents, ideally with parents first, have a parent consultation to understand what the routines have been in the home, what their concerns are, what the temperaments of their children are, age level. And then we try and move to work directly with children in our areas, Austin, San Antonio, Houston, where we have offices. Something that you've told me before is that there's also been a lot of struggle with how to talk to teenagers that are in the household. I think you mentioned to me that there's been a lot of emerging research about how teens are treated in these types of situations. Um, is that something that you found as well? That's true. They are four to five times more likely to have mental health concerns. There can be a drop in performance at school. 
um, multiple things like that. But emerging research, particularly for families where a parent may be in a final phase of life, are finding that the healthcare workers, the hospice workers, really don't know how to communicate with the teen. So it may be the routines are different. They may not be in the home or at the hospital to coincide, but the teens are desperately seeking information at a more adult level around what is happening with their parent. And some research is showing that those teens who did not get that appropriate communication from the healthcare providers or a parent um, grow in their 20s have a distrust of the medical system, which again is critical for their own health and well-being to be forthright and attending to their own health care needs. Something that I want to kind of turn to are some of the ways that Wonders and Worries provide support. Can you just talk to me a little about the different types of support that you provide? In the state of Texas, we have offices in the greater San Antonio, Houston, and Austin areas. And in those areas, we're able to provide direct support to both parents and children. And that direct support can be either in person or virtually and is composed of our core curriculum, which is six sessions designed to establish a trusting relationship with the child life professional and the child, then go on and build on their understanding around the illness, treatment, and side effects. So not only clear up misperceptions, but give them a body of knowledge around what the parent is going through and what the treatment is like and what the side effects can potentially be. Um, and then we, from there, we seek to give them an opportunity to express their feelings, particularly around the changes that I mentioned can be occurring in the home, and develop their own positive coping skills. With parents, we're eager to hear how children have potentially handled challenging things in the past, build on those prefer preferences around what, how they like to cope, and just enhance and enrich those coping skills so the child feels like they can soothe themselves as well as parents adding and enriching those opportunities themselves. I think back to when I was a kid and I remember when I was really stressed out, I would always go skateboarding. You've told me uh, that uh, about an example of a child who he would always turn to sports. You know, he liked to play football and that your team would build on that. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yes, um, in two ways, Nicholas. The first, as you said, um, sometimes playing sports, you can be focused on a specific routine, training time, games. So our support is meant to be very individualized and flexible as needed. Well, with older children, group support is ideal because then you realize that you're not alone, that there are other kids similar to you going through similar, maybe not the exact, but similar situations. However, it may be that in your example of the football player, it, it might be that he's garnering a lot of support from his coach, his team. You know, that physical exertion is an important way for him to relieve stress. So we want to be adaptable and offer rather than um, always focused on a group support for older children and teens, also offering that individual option and having that conversation with the family to see what's going to fit the best for their family. Um, so that that's one way of building on those coping skills. Um, the other thing is, um, I'm sure you realized if you were 
in your classroom and feeling stressed about something, you couldn't jump out and go skateboarding. So the other side of it is helping identify um, some coping techniques that can be soothing and calming in a variety of situations, specifically in school, um, because we know a lot of kids are going to feel stressed in school. And what can we do to help teach them and build upon skills that will be soothing for them in different environments? And I want to talk about the education side of it as well, because you talk about your um the kind of six core, six session core curriculum. And you and I have spoken previously about some of the activities that you do in that curriculum. Would you be able to tell our listeners maybe about an an example of an activity that you would do that would help the kids to to understand kind of what's going on? Sure. Because we, we don't just sit down and talk with kids by any means. We want them to feel this is a safe, fun place to come. And while all of our activities are adaptable to various ages that we work with, 2 to 18, um, one of our favorite illustrations of how we get concepts across around illness, so the cancer education piece of it, is what we call blood soup. With a cancer diagnosis, typically chemotherapy is going to be targeting fast-growing cells because cancer cells are fast-growing. But our blood is also composed of fast-growing cells. So our blood is going to frequently be impacted by that chemotherapy. And to get that concept across and help the children understand the components of blood, red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, we're going to make something called blood soup, which is simply putting together some corn syrup with some red hot that represents the red blood cells, some little mini marshmallows that represent the white blood cells, and typically some grains of rice or something like that for the platelets. And while the kids are getting to compose this blood soup, of course they're getting to taste the candies. And we're also having conversations around what the role or the job of each of those kinds of cells are for their body. And then talk a little bit more about how those can be impacted with chemotherapy. And of course, it's a fun tool to take home, talk to their parents about. We reinforce it with some a kind of laminated card, and that just gives them an opportunity to even sort of start processing or thinking, well, dad's really tired tonight. Um, he said he can't come watch my football practice for the next two or three nights. What's going on? Why do you think he's tired? He's not mad at you. What, why, why might he be too tired? You know, so just getting those ideas across to the kids. Yeah, so not only helping to engage them with what's happening around them, but also building almost context so that they can start to put things together and say, well, dad's not mad at me. Dad is sick and, and this is what's going on in his body. And here's the things that we learned in, in our session And I understand that your organization focuses not only on the individual and group sessions, but also on the research. You've talked to me a little bit about how you're constantly looking to understand the effectiveness of what you're doing. Can you elaborate on on how you do that? Absolutely. Really, no one else across the country is, is doing this kind of work, certainly not for the length of time, over 20 years, that we have been involved working with families in this capacity. From the very beginning, we invested in evaluations. And so our client families were asked 
after three months of services to reflect back on their parenting prior to receiving support from Wonders and Worries and then after three months of service. We also asked them to reflect back on their children and their behavior prior to coming to Wonders and Worries and then after working with a Wonders and Worries child life specialist. And those evaluations over the years have continued to come back very strong, showing that the parents felt much more comfortable communicating with their child around the illness, the anxieties of children went down, and we had many beneficial results. In turn, we created an academic relationship with the UT Steve Hicks School of Social Work and have built on our research, initially starting with qualitative research, comparing some of our teens who had a parent with cancer and received Wonders and Worries support to other teens in another community who received counseling, but not our Wonders and Worries curriculum that is more research-based. We moved on to um, a correlated study analyzing our data, again, showing significant results. So our most recent research focused on only our six-session curriculum. We did a randomized clinical trial of those six sessions, and it was found that the treatment group had significant gains as opposed to the control group. Specifically, the children had lower emotional and behavioral problems and were um, and le less worries related to cancer than the teens than the children in the control group. So we're continuing to invest in our research. Look, always looking at best practices. Um, we do provide. I should make the point that we provide anticipatory grief support. We really do want to work with families at the time of diagnosis to help that positive coping be established from the very beginning. Some of our families do move forward into um, a final phase of life. And we do provide anticipatory grief support, um, but we are providing that support up to and through the death um, for the families where that becomes a necessity. Something else that I, I always like to talk about is, you know, a success story or two, something that comes to mind for you. And you and I have spoken about your current executive director and a little bit of, of their history uh, because they were a former client. Is that right? That's correct. Alex Gabby, our executive director, he and his wife um, were both in the high tech world. And at the delivery of their third child um, through an emergency C-section, it was discovered that she had ovarian cancer. Alex and Heather's older two children participated in the Wonders and Worries support, um, which they found value, very valuable. Heather did pass away three years after her diagnosis. And Alex's children are now, um, the two older ones, well, Nico is in college, Maya is about ready to graduate from high school, or actually just graduated from high school. So and they have done very, very well. Um, and Alex attributes a great deal of that to the support they received through Wonders and Worries. He has stayed involved with the organization. He brought that business mind that we needed to expand our business. So Alex continues to support the organization with his business skills. I'm very fortunate to have transitioned um, to focus on the expansion, which was always a dream of Missy's and mine. Um, so it has been wonderful to see his children flourish, for him to give back to the organization in such a special and dedicated way. 
if I'm a parent listening to this and maybe I am struggling with how to talk to my children, is there somewhere that, that I could call to, to kind of get in touch with wonders and worries and, and talk to you about my options? Yes, uh, we do have a helpline that is open Monday through Thursday from 10 to 4. So that, and that is always staffed with our professional child life specialists. And Nicholas, I should mention that all of our services are always provided by a professional child life specialist and they are without charge to families. Can you tell me if I'm listening and I want to help um, or I want to get involved, how can somebody help Wonders and Worries either directly or just do more to further your mission? Anyone who is interested, we gladly accept donations. We greatly appreciate that. They can participate in an event. We have multiple events where they can be a sponsor potentially. We have a No Worries Classic, which is a sporting clay shoot coming up in October. We have a gala every year, the end of February. And then awareness is always delightful too. Most of our referrals come through the medical professions and school teachers and school counselors. But word of mouth is significant as well. We have a dedicated child life specialist for outreach. So if there's opportunities to speak to groups or connections that any listener feels are significant, we would be delighted to have those as well. And I wonder, Meredith, the support that you provide, a lot of the examples that we've talked about so far have been related to a diagnosis of cancer. Is that a, a particular focus or is this inclusive of all terminal ongoing illnesses? It's inclusive of any physical illness that brings changes to a family. It can be illness or accident, quite honestly. We had a dad who was a military vet. He had some, his knees were injured. He was riding his bicycle, had a fall and broke his neck and was paralyzed from the waist down. So that's an example of an accident. We have lots of other illnesses, whether it's heart surgery or ALS, um, can be diabetes. You know, anything that is a physical illness, we're, that's our skill set to be able to translate that information around the illness down to an age appropriate level for the child. Nicholas, I thought of one other thing that's important to mention to your listeners. We are available for families who have children on the autism spectrum with other special needs and we have bilingual child life specialists. So our services are available in English and Spanish. Well, Meredith, I want to just say thank you for talking to us about the great work that Wonders and Worries is doing and for volunteering your time to talk with us today. I hope that you have a wonderful 2022. Thank you. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here and share a little bit more about what we are doing in the community and encourage readers to explore on our website, wondersandworries.org, both for professional resources as well as uh, resources for parents and children.
Today's show was directed and produced by me, with music from Alex Grohl. Special thanks to our guests for their time and insight. If you liked today's episode, please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, and consider leaving a review, as it will help us to spread the word about the show. You can view more information about today's episode online at actsofimpact.com. Thank you for listening.